Walking on a daily basis with God by faith is the greatest adventure in a Christian's lifetime. Yet, how few can really say that they walk daily with God? Well, in these last days, many of us are being called to walk by faith in a way that we've never walked before. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. I'm Christine Darg. The Bible assures us that the Lord guides us in the way that we should go, and He takes delight in the steps of those who please Him. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Philip the Evangelist was in the Gaza territory, south of Jerusalem, when he saw an Ethiopian official in a chariot reading aloud from the book of Isaiah concerning the Messiah. And when Philip saw this chariot, the Holy Spirit said to him in Acts 8:29, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. Now, how did the Holy Spirit speak that command to Philip? Did the Spirit speak in an audible voice or did he speak inwardly? Was this command what we call an inner prompting of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible doesn't say if it was an audible voice, and that's okay because we know the Lord can speak to us both audibly and inwardly by the still, small voice. All we know is that the Spirit definitely directed Philip, and that's an example of walking with the Lord. And the Lord still directs us today if we're listening and if we're following the Lord. And some of us are walking in a new way, in the new things that God is doing in the earth. Joining me shortly, I'll be talking with my friend Bob O'Dell, who's just written a book about his walk as an evangelical Christian among his Orthodox Jewish friends. The title of Bob's book is Five Years with Orthodox Jews, and it's about how connecting with God's people unlocks understanding of God's Word. You see, when we walk with God, life becomes a series of conscious decisions from the moment we wake up until we go to bed again at night. Even mundane questions are significant. Will we eat in a healthy manner today? What will we wear and where will we go? Who will we talk with and where will we spend our finances and so on? How do we even begin to walk in the Spirit? Well, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as a seal of our salvation when we receive God's gift, the Savior, Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. And when Messiah lives in me, I become a new creation, although my old nature still wars within me, and it has to be subdued and restrained by yielding to the Holy Spirit. We become more and more God-conscious as we feed on his word first thing in the morning. And when we walk with God, we hear what he has to say to us in his word each day. Then we spend time in prayer, and all of this helps us to avoid all the traps of envying, jealousy, murders, drunkenness, carousing, the occult, sexual sins, impurities, perversions, hatred, strife, wrath, and seditions, on and on and so forth. All the sins that can be produced 
by the flesh. The more accurately we walk in the Spirit, refusing argumentations, bitterness, backbiting, the less correction and chastening we're going to need from God. Walking in the Spirit is also called practicing the presence of God, being aware of the Lord and His eye upon us moment by moment. But that's not bondage, it's freedom. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. The Bible says against those things there is no law. In other words, there's no penalty for that kind of living. So if we want to live a happy life, a meaningful life, one full of peace, then we'll learn to walk in the Spirit. We're also given by God a spiritual armor to fight the forces of darkness in a fallen world. The glorious thing is that each and every one of us has the potential to walk with God Almighty. It's amazing, but biblically true, that God seeks relationships with His creation. In the Bible, a man named Enoch was the first person described as walking with God. In one of the early genealogies of the Bible, the descendants of Adam are mentioned as those who lived and died. But the pattern of mentioning deaths, births, and deaths is broken in the case of Enoch. Enoch was the first man in the Bible who walked with God. And the Bible reveals in Genesis chapter 5 that after Enoch's son Methuselah was born, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he lived to be 365, when suddenly God raptured him and took him home to heaven without experiencing death. That's recorded in Genesis 5.24. So after Adam, Enoch was the first human being who learned how to commune intimately with God on a daily basis and to walk with him. And in the New Testament, Enoch is mentioned in the Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Fame, verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death, and he couldn't be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. That verse was translated from the Septuagint that Enoch pleased God. And this testimony, quoted in Hebrews 11.5, denoted a life spent in the presence of God, in constant communion with God. Bible commentators note that Enoch's early removal into another world suggests that long life is not the highest form of blessing. But Enoch's removal was also without pain, decay, or death into the immediate presence of God. So his was a foretaste of the rapture, when the Lord himself will descend suddenly with the trump of God and with a shout of the archangel, and we shall be caught up in the clouds with the resurrected dead and Messiah, and we shall be changed instantly. One of my favorite verses in the Bible follows Enoch's testimony in Hebrews 11, verse 6, which declares, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who approaches him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Well, as I said, and this is so important, one of the ways we walk with the Lord is to read the scriptures in the morning, and then he will open his word to us through the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And to be filled with the spirit is simply to live moment by moment in the conscious presence of Jesus, the written Messiah. 
we become increasingly conscious of his presence and watch care and we notice which of our actions pleases him and which does not. It becomes a moment-by-moment -moment experience. When we walk with God, we walk the same paths trod by the ancients before us. Think about that. Noah knew the secret of walking with God, and so can we. Genesis 6-9 says that Noah walked faithfully with God, as did the patriarch Abraham. In Genesis 24-40, Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to find a wife for his son Isaac. And Abraham testified that the Lord, before whom I have walked faithfully, will send his angel with you and make your journey a success. I wonder, when you go on a journey, are you confident that God will send his angels with you and make your journey successful? This is walking with God. As one translation put it, Abraham said, the Lord in whose presence I have lived will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. The amazing thing is that the Bible teaches we can know God like the patriarchs did, and even to a greater degree because of the indwelling spirit who has been given us by Jesus the Messiah. God ever works with his friends and he will use faithful ones who walk with him. After all, Jesus told us in John 15, 15, that he confines his kingdom purposes to his friends, but he has to test our fidelity. And when we prove ourselves to be his faithful friends through life's heartaches and calamities, then we can qualify as those who truly walk with God and can be trusted in his service. I've often said, and it bears repeating, we must have a secret history walking with God before he gives us a public ministry. Tested in the secret places, we learn God's ways and we learn what pleases and displeases him. Jesus was the quintessential example of walking with God. He was always in the spirit, even when he awakened from a deep sleep on a boat he woke up and instantly silenced a storm. Well, we have to develop a walking relationship with God. The Apostle John wrote that he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as the Lord walked. Well, after his life-changing Damascus Road experience, Paul learned to walk with God, and he later wrote in Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Judaism, how to walk and conduct oneself is known as halakha. Halakha is often translated as Jewish law, although a more literal translation might be the way to behave or the way of walking. And Psalm 119 starts out, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. The word halakha is derived from the Hebrew root halach, to walk or to go, and taken literally, therefore halakha, translates as the way to walk. And it constitutes the practical application of the 613 mitzvot, the commandments in the Torah. Commandments are divided into both positive and negative commands. The positive commandments require an action to be performed and are 
considered to bring the performer close to God, and negative commandments forbid specific actions, and violations create a distance from God. Indeed, the Torah has much to say about our walk. In fact, Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And furthermore, one of my favorites, Isaiah 30, 21 says, speaking of the spirit-directed life, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or whenever you turn to the left, God promises such guidance. And in Jeremiah 7, 23, God says, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you. And in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4, 1, Paul beseeched us to walk worthy of our calling. And in Romans 6, 4, he wrote, We were buried with Messiah through baptism into death, that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. Well, earlier today, I spoke with my friend Bob O'Dell, who is walking with God and has just published his new book called Five Years with Orthodox Jews. And the Lord is calling many believers to walk in a way that we've never walked before by building friendships with the Jewish people. So I asked Bob why God is developing a new kind of relationship with Orthodox Jews at this time. You know, Christine, I've wondered about that question because I felt God was calling me into this place. But I looked at Scripture and found the case of Cornelius. The very first convert to Christianity was a God-fearer, and it's right there in the text. He had relationship with Orthodox Jews. He was thought of well. It says that right in the text. He was well thought of within the Jewish community in that region. Isn't that amazing? I, so I'm actually thinking now that this is not something to begin. This is something to return to. It's just a matter of returning to that original pattern, that pattern of first mention in Scripture. Bob, why do you believe that the Gentile Cornelius had found favor with the Jewish nation? The scripture says that his, his alms to the Jewish people and his prayers had ascended as a memorial to God. I wonder if that memorial isn't that same thing that we say Yad Vashem, you know, the, the memorial, uh, the Holocaust Museum and so forth. But, but this is memorial in a very positive way where he had established himself. He wasn't Jewish. He was, he was the enemy. And yet he found a way to stay in connection with his superiors in the Roman army, but yet not mistreat the Jewish people along the way. And that uh, story that uh, you're talking about when I gave the talk, I just proposed an idea of how he could have been caught within the crosshairs of that and, and proposed an idea um, of what might have touched the Jewish people so well that his name could have gone all around and, and he could have achieved that renown of being someone who was a real friend to the Jewish people. But he's my hero. I mean, you know, just 
to be able to do something like that. To, to, and I think we all can. We all have that opportunity to step in and just be a friend and see what God does. Do you think he was what the Jewish people would consider a righteous Gentile? Yes. And it says uh, in the text that, uh, that, that he was a God-fearer. God he feared God already. Um, and for the Jewish, from the standpoint of the Jewish people, um, uh, we Christians are that today. We are, we're God-fearers. And there's the issue of, of the differences and who is uh, Jesus and uh, what will be the nature of the Messiah and Messiah's return, as we would say, and the Messiah's coming, as the Jews would say. But there's something beautiful about the Jewish people that they don't force, they, they, their theology doesn't force that everybody has to act exactly like they do and believe exactly what they do to be on the path for God. And so it's a real blessing in these days when, uh, from the standpoint of Jews, to look at a Christian and say, you know, we have, we have real problems with, but, but, but look at their hearts, look at their actions, look at what they're doing, and they're being friendly. Uh, and, and I believe it is making a, a difference uh, in the eyes of God and certainly making a difference with the Jewish people today. How has this stream of Orthodox Judaism enriched your life? Oh, greatly. And I think that one of the most uh, surprising ways is how much I have gotten directly from the Lord, I think. <laughs> I mean, the revelation. It's like, you know, I was in many different streams of the evangelical tradition. And yet, when I came to Israel and started doing this, all of a sudden, the, the word started to open up to me in a different, in a, in a different way, not, not new truth, but just deeper and, and actually often more supportive of, of my Christian faith than ever before, M more rich and, 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 and strong in, in, in what God was showing. And it was almost like I looked back, I, actually, I thought it was unique at first. You know, we all do that <laughs> when something good happens, we think we're unique. And then I, but I started asking other people, uh, you know, uh, that, that had, had also connected with the Jewish people, and they were having that. And then, of course, I got to know you, and, and, and that's your life to a T. So I, I began to see, wait, maybe this is God's principle that whenever we take the opportunity to connect in, in, in a way that, that, that without a preconceived a plan of an agenda, but just to connect, God looks down and says, wow, I, because you're doing that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something. I'm going to give you, yes, you're going to learn from the Jewish people, but I'm even going to give you something beyond that. I'm going to give you additional revelation and insight. And I realized this, I'm not unique. It, I, I am just, I, but I am a proof point that God does this, maybe because he likes it when his kids play well with each other. I was delighted to introduce to you the book's co-author, Gidon Ariel, who is an Orthodox Jew. And Gidon was encouraged to start a project online called Root Source, in which you are very much involved. How has this been perceived by your Christian friends? I mean, has there been any misunderstanding, some parting of the ways, or have your friends and associates been won over to understand that you're involved in a legitimate end time move of God? 
You know, that's a great question. And I, I think the first way to answer that is to say, you know, I didn't start this work at 25. You know, I, I was more than 50 when I started this work. I had worked hard in the church. I had developed a, a set of connections. People knew I wasn't just a come to church. I was, you know, I would put my shoulder to the grindstone. I would pray. I would uh, support the missions efforts. I had, I had a desire to have that gospel preached uh, all around the world. And, and, and so having done that, when somebody says, okay, they're going to do something a bit different, and it maybe it doesn't fit the mold, most people, most people will we'll give the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, maybe God is in this. If they're doing all these other things that I'm just so on board with, and this is different. So I would say by and large, I did have one case though, where uh, the, this became a significant confrontation with a, with a leader. And um, so much so that I, I, we were just talking past each other. We were not, and we actually had another uh, uh, elder brother had to come in and, and, and sort of help our conversation because it was so difficult and so strained. And uh, a year later, and this brother, he's a good brother, but, but it was tough, right? A year later, um, he called me up and said, I'd like to speak with you. <laughs> and after all that had happened, you know, I, I was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't let that show on the phone, but uh, okay. So I went over to, to, he had said, come over to my house. He, so I came over to his house. He served me a nice cold glass of water. And I sat down and he said, I want to tell you something. In the midst of that difficult situation, I noticed the way you treated me. And, and I sensed something in you that even though you were disagreeing with me, you were for me. And I just want to tell you that I've had other experiences since then within the body of Christ that were not nearly so wholesome as that disagreement I had with you. And I want to tell you, I am now open to the things that you have to talk about. And I want to establish an open dialogue with you for the future. With all of your contacts, travel, and writing, how has your faith in the Lord increased in the past five years? I think we're all on a journey. I think we're all, you know, our, our faith should increase, right? As uh, the longer we live, the more opportunities we have to see God at work. Even when things happen that we do not understand, that the underlying sense of who he is uh, has to grow because we have another day under our belt. So I think we're all on that path. I don't think that the path that that uh, that I'm taking is so unique there. Uh, but I can definitely say, yeah, me too. Just like your viewers, that, that there's something you continue to make uh, progress. And I feel that way. I feel extremely favored. Uh, like I said, just kind of the revelation. But I felt like this is it doesn't mean that there isn't hard work, uh, you know, difficult work along the way. And those days in which you say, you know, am I really making a difference in the kingdom today? Uh, so I think we're all there. I just, I, I would say no different than any other, any other viewer. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So how do we reconcile that statement with walking with our Jewish friends? I want to start 
uh, my answer with a story by with uh, from Gadone. Uh, we were talking about, I don't know how we got into this kind of topic, but he said about agreement. He said, all right, um, let's take me, Gadone says. If I were to stand on a stage <laughs> and invited everybody to come onto the stage that I completely agreed with, there would be no one there, not even me, <laughs> because sometimes I don't even agree with myself. So I, I think that this verse, which is truth, it is the word of God, I think it has to be established in the context of what you're walking towards. When I gather together with my pastor and we walk together in a prayer meeting regarding what we're going to do to reach the city, we are, need to walk in agreement in that group. But when I come alongside my Jewish friends who want to see the, Messiah, the, uh, the world prepared so that the Messiah can come, I'm in agreement with that too. And so we walk together in the areas of agreement. We don't try to try to force each other to have the same theology as long as we can come together in the same uh, task, in the same uh, path. So, I, and I think that's what um, uh, Zechariah was referring to when it says 10 men uh, will come along and grab the hem of the garment, the, the tzitzit of a Jew and say, let us go with you because God is with you. And I will emphatically say that that is not just men. Uh, it, it, it was important in that uh, verse that God established that whenever this happens, it is a peer relationship. So it includes men and women. It includes women who can see themselves as walking in a peer relationship with a Jew. It's been great sharing with author Bob Rodell, telling us about his new book, Five Years with Orthodox Jews, and it's available through Amazon in print and digital editions. The Lord wants to be our friend, and he's looking for born-again confidants, believers who will be loyal to him and to his people unto death or the rapture. Let's ask him to teach us daily how to walk with him. Please check out our website, exploits.tv, which brings you news on current and end-time events regarding both the church and the nation of Israel. And our ministry, Exploits, is based on Daniel 11.32, which declares that people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will accomplish exploits, meaning that we're going to do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before His imminent return. You can also watch your free video library by downloading the Jerusalem Channel mobile app for your phones or tablets. Today I want to leave you with 1 John 1.7, an exhortation. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the Messiah, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. In the evil day, pray without ceasing. Maranatha, the Lord is at hand. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with you all. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.